Welcome to this programme, it's Heart and Soul. My name is Howard Simpson and I'm presenting the work of a small team of us working from home, which is, that's the normal nowadays, isn't it? Coming up on Heart and Soul this morning, we have another chapter from the audiobook, Plain Truths About Life, Faith and Healing. That was a book by the late Roy Lawrence, who used to uh, feature quite frequently here on Heart and Soul. He died uh, a couple of years ago, just over. We've got a poem written and read by Malcolm Guite, and John Greenshields concludes his series on prayer. And again, we'll hear from the Reverend Matthew Robertson more of his life experiences. And we'll look at the notice board and we'll listen to some music. The music. And it's the All Souls musicians who start us off. They're from All Souls, Langham Place, London. The song and words by Michael Sword and the music by John Barnard. And it is Christ Triumphant, Ever Reigning.
And there you heard the Old Souls musicians with Christ Triumphant, Ever Reigning. In recent weeks here on Heart and Soul, we've been listening to chapters from Plain Truths about life, faith and healing by the late Roy Lawrence. And we'll continue today with a, sec- a second of them about healing. It comes from the audiobook. Uh, there is a, a paper version as well. When Healing Does Not Come In the last chapter, I invited you to rediscover the healing power of Jesus and suggested a prayer method to help you do so. It would be good to hear from any of you who tried it. My guess is that many of you will have found it a good and positive healing experience. If so, I'm truly glad for you. Hold on to the truths you've discovered. Keep practising the presence of Christ. But some may be feeling puzzled or let down, because, as I said last time, in something as mysterious as spiritual healing, there are bound to be problems to be faced and questions to be raised. So let's face one of them today. What about people who sincerely bring some trouble to the Lord in prayer and ask that it should be removed, only to find that afterwards it seems as bad as ever? During my many years as a vicar, people have come to our church asking for the ministry of Christian healing for all sorts of reasons. Some have come with severe illnesses like cancer or multiple sclerosis, others with crippling depression or some other form of mental pain, others with a relationship problem, perhaps a marriage in danger of breaking down. Sometimes amazing things have happened. I've seen some supposedly incurable cancers disappear and multiple sclerosis go into what seems to be permanent remission. I've seen depression lift, marriage problems solved. But there have also been many other occasions when cancer, multiple sclerosis, depression or marriage problems have remained unhealed. So the question has to be asked. If the ministry of Christian healing sometimes brings us all we ask for, why doesn't it always do so? What can I say to you if you have prayed for healing, but healing hasn't come? Let me tell you four things I would not say. First, I would not accuse you of not having enough faith. That would be a cruel thing to do. It would also be unscriptural. When I offer the ministry of healing to someone in need, the onus of faith is on me as the ministrant, not on the person to whom I am ministering. Jesus says, Those who believe shall lay hands on the sick, not hands shall be laid on those who believe. When Jesus laid hands on the daughter of Jairus, she was in a deep and death-like coma. She could not have exercised faith at the time, but the touch and the word and the faith of Jesus brought her back to life. It brings to mind a moment in my own ministry when I was asked if I could possibly do anything for a woman, a senior, long-standing member of our church, who was at that time in a deep, seemingly terminal coma in one of our local hospitals. Whilst her husband wept in a small room next to the ward, I was allowed to go in and see her apparently lifeless body. I asked the ward sister if it would do any harm if I were to try to offer the Ministry of Christian Healing. I remember her answer. It won't do any harm, but it can't do any good. This one is as good as dead. I prayed and laid hands on her in the name of Jesus. And amazingly, the supposed corpse 
Gates sat up. She went on to live for another six years with a good quality of life. In fact, from then on she seemed healthier than she had been for quite a while. I'm telling you this story here not because it's a rather sensational one, but because it makes the point that although she was a woman of faith, she was certainly not in the position to exercise that faith at the moment of healing. Secondly, I would not jump to the conclusion that if there are no tangible results, then any minister you may have approached must be a quack or a charlatan. Quacks and charlatans do exist, but not many. Most who offer the Christian healing ministry are men and women of God, sincere in what they do, and anguished when it seems to fail. Mind you, having said that, it is right to be selective about those from whom you seek help. Not all spiritual healing is Christian healing, relying on the presence of Christ. Some healers rely on very different resources, and not all of them are desirable. So it's always wise to ask, what comes with this package? If the answer is anything but the power of Jesus, we may want to have second thoughts about exposing ourselves to the forces involved. Also, even if the name of Jesus is well to the front, one or two things should perhaps sometimes start warning bells ringing in our minds. Be wary of any who seem to give the impression that their healing ministry never fails. I know of no one in the Christian healing ministry who has not experienced failure from time to time, and that includes even Jesus. We're told that his power to work miracles was restricted in Nazareth because of the negative attitude towards him there. You should also be wary of any who, in cases of failure, seek to place the blame on their clients. And we'll pause there for some music and then go back to the audiobook for more. This is a song about healing. Uh, it's the choir of St Mary's Cathedral, Glasgow. It's a song written by John Bell and Graham Mall of the Iona community. The tune is Ye Banks and Braes of Bonnie Doon. The words, We cannot measure how you heal.
Which brings me to the third thing which I would not say. I would never say, if you are not healed, it must be because you do not deserve to be healed. Christian blessings never rest upon what we deserve. They are God's gifts and stem from God's love. Think, for instance, about forgiveness Jesus has come to offer. Forgiveness and a way back to God, not because of our merits, but because of our needs. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christian healing is like that. It is a response to need, not a seal of approval. And fourthly, I would not say, whether or not you deserve to be healed, it is clear that God has decided not to heal on this occasion. So you must just be humble enough to accept your illness as God's will. It's never that simple. God has revealed himself as the Lord who heals, and he is totally self-consistent. In him there is no variability, no shadow cast by turning. If he is sometimes the Lord who heals, he is always the Lord who heals. However, if human history shows us anything, it teaches that God's will is not always done in the short run. There is a mystery about suffering, just as there is a mystery about healing. This is one of the themes of the book of Job. Job is a pious family man who is wealthy and healthy until Satan strikes him down. Poor Job loses his health, his wealth and his family. His friends come round and advise him to try to understand, because if he can fathom why these things have happened, he will be able to amend his life and all will be well. Job knows that his situation is nothing as simple as that. He and his friends argue themselves to a standstill, and it's at that point that God finally speaks. Strangely, he says nothing about Job's sufferings, but takes him on a tour of creation and helps him to see the mystery of it all. Finally, Job makes the discovery for himself that if there are mysteries in creation, there must be other mysteries too, including the mystery of suffering. Job stops trying to understand and settles for a sense of mystery. At the end of the story, Job finds new wealth, new health and a new family. But he finds he has to learn from his direct encounter with God. There are times when our trust has to be greater than our understanding. So, suppose you find a church near you which takes the ministry of Christian healing seriously, as more and more churches do these days, and suppose you go along to a healing service or some other activity at which there is healing prayer, or suppose you ask for healing ministry at a personal one-to-one -one level, what can you realistically expect? My belief is that those who are open to receive Christian healing should always expect to receive strengthening and blessing from that ministry. But there may be a more tangible benefit than that. Afterwards we may somehow be different, more whole in some way. And whether our experience of healing is total or partial, whether it affects our body, mind or spirit, we will have no doubt about its reality and its importance. Just occasionally, it can be so extraordinary that the word miracle may come to mind. However, the greatest benefit doesn't lie in any of these things. It lies, quite simply, in drawing nearer to Jesus.
There is nothing more precious than the experience of Jesus' presence. His company, his care and his influence are infinitely desirable for their own sake, for his own sake. Of course, there will be by-products if we draw nearer to Jesus, because the Son of God never was and never can be a non-event. But if we are wise, we won't focus on the by-products that result from his presence. In fact, if healing comes to us, we may not even notice the moment of its coming, for the eyes of our spirit will be on him and not on ourselves, which, as the Bible tells us, is the secret of life at its fullest and best, just looking to Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. And that was a chapter from the book by the late Roy Lawrence, Plain Truths About Life, Faith and Healing. It's published by the Plain Truth magazine. You can get details of the book and the magazine from their website, which is plain-truth.org.uk. That's plain-truth.org.uk. Daniel O'Donnell next, and from the title, which is I Watch the Sunrise, you might think it's a song about morning or perhaps the passage of times. But if you listen to it, it's about God being always with us. So here is Daniel O'Donnell, I Watch the Sunrise. I watch the sunrise Lighting the sky Casting its shadows near And on this morning Bright though it be I feel those shadows near me. Oh, you are. 
Daniel O'Donnell, I watch the sunrise. And now for the notices, and there's not much changes here the way lockdown is these days, it's mainly what's on the internet from local churches, and here are some examples. The Upper Tay churches have a service which can be found through their websites. It could be Aberfeldy or Dullanweem or Logiri, for example. And that's one you can get on your phone if you don't have the internet, the number is 01887 for the Aberfeldy code, 440446. That's 01887 440446, and you wait about 20 seconds for it to start. At Pitlockery Church of Scotland, you can get something from their website or through the Facebook page, and it's another chance, uh, another one rather, where you can hear it by phone if you don't have the internet or prefer the phone, I suppose. Uh, the number for that is 01796 517 004. That's 01796, which is the Pitlochry code, 517 004. Pitlochry Baptist Church has a service at 11 o'clock on their webtube, their YouTube channel webtube what's that the youtube channel that's at 11 o'clock and then it's available on youtube thereafter you can also hear it here on heartland fm at one o'clock today Dunkel cathedral they've a service through the website or the youtube channel and as usual bankfoot join with west kintyre and gear with scott burton who used to be at st matthew's perth and you can also pick up a messy church online from the Bankfoot website. I think that's true also of the Dunkel Cathedral website. I'm not certain about that. I'll also mention Perth North again because the minister, Ken Stott, has a daily thought on the Facebook page. And he's now almost at 100 of them. I do wonder just how many he um, expected to do. <laughs> but anyway, it's ne- nearly getting to his century. There you are. Good on him. Uh, in addition to all that, many of the churches have other activities for smaller groups, such as virtual coffee mornings or discussion or prayer groups, and they're usually on Zoom, but you really have to inquire of each church if, if they have and if it's, if it's suitable for you. 
I'll mention again my co-presenter David Wilkie's lockdown project. He's been developing a podcast called Scott Thoughts. That's Scott Thoughts, capital S for Scott, Thought, capital T for Thoughts, but no space in the middle, Scott Thoughts, which you can access via Spotify. It includes pieces from Mary Haddo. Uh, usually these have been uh, on the Sunday mornings that I mentioned earlier from Pitlochry Church of Scotland. Also you can find the, the late Les Brown of Pitlochry and some pieces done mm, 12 years or more ago for Heart and Soul by Willie Wright. Uh, these are about various hymns and songwriters and their works. So that's Scott Thoughts via Spotify. Sounds inspirational this coming week, uh, Tuesday evening, repeated Thursday evening at 10. And again, it's Drew Scott and family that are looking after that one. Uh, like so many of us, they're working from home too. Hi, hi. We'll have music now and we'll hear from Velveta Thompson as she sings Graham Kendrick's song, Such Love.
And that was Velveta Thompson with Such Love. Uh, Malcolm Gait has been thinking about some of the Psalms and been inspired by some of them to write poetry. Here are his thoughts on Psalm number one. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Beatus Vere, a response to Psalm 1. Come to the place where every breath is praise, and God is breathing through each passing breeze. Be planted by the waterside, and raise your arms with Christ beneath these rooted trees, who lift their breathing leaves up to the skies. Be rooted too, as still and strong as these, open alike to sun and rain. Arise from meditation by these waters. Bear the fruits of that deep-rootedness. Be wise in the tree's long wisdom. Learn to share the secret of their patience. Pass the day in their green fastness and their quiet air. Slowly discern a life, a truth, a way, where simple being flowers in delight. And let the chaff of life just blow away. And you heard Malcolm Guite. Just a reminder, though, that you're tuned to Heartland FM on 97.5 or the Digital Access Channel or heartland.scot. And it'll be Bridge FM if you're in one of the hospitals in the Dundee area. But uh, wherever you are, welcome to Heartland FM and welcome to this programme, which is Heart and Soul is compiled by a small team working from home. My name is Howard Simpson. I'm just one of them. Uh, Here's Robert Critchley with a song co-written with Dawn Critchley, and it's called What a Faithful God Have I.
Critchley with What a Faithful God Have I. And now we come to the final part of John Green Shields' little series on the school of prayer. Lord, teach us to pray. Our final session in this short series on prayer takes us to what's known as the Lord's Prayer. And here is Luke's version. Father, Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. It was the late Professor William Barclay who drew attention to this phrase, give us each day our daily bread. And he mentioned the fact that this phrase was unknown in ancient literature. What was daily bread? It wasn't found anywhere else. And then during some excavations, an ancient manuscript dating from the time of Jesus was discovered. It was a shopping list that presumably a housewife had made up for going to the market. And there on the shopping list was the phrase daily bread. So when Jesus teaches us, give us our daily bread, it's an encouragement for us to come before God knowing that he understands our needs and he delights to meet them. But we also need to ask for his mercy and forgiveness and be willing to forgive others. And so as we come as the family of God before our Father, who loves us and knows us and cares for us, 
May we do so with gladness, with boldness and with love, assured that he will respond to us as we join with the family of God in this wonderful family prayer. Father, hallowed be your name. Amen. And that concludes John Green Shield's series on prayer. Uh, John is a retired minister living in Pitlochry, member of Pitlochry Baptist Church, and I'm sure we'll hear from him again on Heart and Soul sometime in the future. Elvis, coming up now, is your burden heavy as you bear it all alone? Reach out to Jesus. Elvis with Reach Out to Jesus, 
He's reaching out to you. Way back before lockdown, if you remember those days, uh, Reverend Matthew Robertson spoke to Pitlochry Church of Scotland Guild. He was recalling some of his life's experiences. In recent weeks, we've been listening in, so to speak, and now we'll go back for some more. So still today, South Sky is much more liberal. And I know that my father's theology was regarded by many of his colleagues as far too liberal. He preached in love and not on judgment. And with the sins and failings of his fellow men, more particularly young, he was compassionate and patient. And it was this narrow-mindedness that persuaded him to move from Sky. Over the years, I think it did wear him down, as it has done to so many good and faithful island ministers in these islands. It's both demanding and it's difficult conducting worship in both Gaelic and, and English uh, Sunday by Sunday, as well as working the, the land and visiting the people. In 1952, he was inducted to the then newly formed Union of Grantley and Strathtay which after his day was joined to Logarate. And those years later, due to the shortage of ministers and other factors, it's linked today to Aberfeldy and linked again to Dull and Wing. <coughs> the Reverend Neil Glover, our minister, a very fine, capable young man, is doing what in, until the 1980s was the work of three ministers. But Neil, Neil's a worker. <coughs> and so to Strathtay. I finished off my schooling. How have I done for time? You're okay. You're okay. Can you hear me? Yes. <laughs> so the stuff tape. I finished off my schooling in Bernalbin Academy. And what next? My parents, my mother was a doctor, expected me to go on straight to university. And here I kind of rebelled. Why? National service was approaching its closing days. And I was seeing boys ahead of me, both at Portree School and at Bredobin Academy, whom I considered better students than, than I. I saw some of them go to university, playing themselves, failing exams, being put out of university, and then having to do national service. I can name two or three from, from here. And in those days, unlike today it seems to me, if you failed university exams it was mighty difficult to get back in again. Uh, the university might have let you stay on, but the education department would stop your grant, and effectively you were, you were out. So I persuaded, my, I stood my ground with my parents and persuaded them that a wee bit of maturity in national service would do me a lot of good. I applied for the Cameron Highlanders from Skye, but was persuaded that living near Aberfeldy, I should be in the Black Watch. So I spent a happy two years, mostly in Berlin, where I took my stint in guarding Hess in Spandau prison. And I regard doing national service at that point was one of the wiser decisions that I've made in life. For one thing, I got to know the regimental chaplain of the Black Watch, and having ministry in mind anyway, I got an early taste of what army chaplains say. It might be like. The sadder thing about it was my father died at the early age of 52, just as I was starting university. <coughs> and so to university at Aberdeen. 
Matthew Robertson speaking to Pitlochry Church of Scotland Guild and we'll hear a bit more from him next week. Meantime, here's Isla Grant with one of her songs. It is He's There For Me. If I stumble on this road of life I know he's there for me And when plans I've made fall through and all When the nights are cold and lonely And the teardrops fill my eyes I feel his love and know he's there for me He's there for me He's with me every day He's there for me His light will show I have no fear I know he's there for me When friends are gone and I'm alone I know he's there for me When emptiness is all that I can feel When darkness slowly falls on me I know he's there for me I have 
Once again for Heart and Soul. Thank you for listening. And our thanks too to Matthew Robertson there, to John Greenshields, Malcolm Guite, and the publishers of the book Plain Truths About Life, Faith and Healing by the late Roy Lawrence. That was an excerpt from that audiobook that we heard earlier on. And then I would like to acknowledge the work of the folk who brought this edition of Heart and Soul together, in particular David Wilkie and Sam Ross. Sam is the technical guy that puts it all together. Eddie Rose is on after news at nine and Colin Phillips at eleven, Dave Barry with the service at one o'clock, Anne-Marie's at two, Mike Marwick at five, Ian Moises at seven and Chris Stanton at nine. That's all here on Heartland FM. I'll leave you with Praise Gathering. It's a large choir from mainly the central belt of Scotland, although sometimes people from Perth are members as well. It's a Reuben Morgan's of Hillsong's song, and it is called This Is Our God. Mm-hmm. 